Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Men of Ann Arbor podcast brought to you by the good people at New Amendment. I am Stuart Douglas, one of your co-hosts alongside Nick Stauskas, as always. What's going on, man? Well, Stu, I reside in the city of Philadelphia, and the city's hurting tonight. It's, I didn't it's, even... I've been so Michigan basketball, I wasn't even thinking about you during the game. That's hilarious. Yeah. I actually... Uh, we're, I don't know if you saw the videos um, on social media after you know after they made it to the Super Bowl with all the fans kind of like congregating in the streets. Yeah. Um, that they, that's that's called Broad Street, and I'm like not too far off of there, and so... I was worried coming into yesterday, like just the pure havoc that was gonna be caused if they did win. Um, but I, I, you know, I was rooting for them. I really, I really did want them to win. But I felt like they got cheated a little bit. I mean, Dude. that 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 call at the end of the game, I, I'm not too sure about that. Like the fans want to see Hurts get a chance with a minute thirty, go the length of the field. Like that's what the fans want. Give the people what they want. I didn't check any aftermath, but like Philly. I hope your car wasn't parked in the street because, like, that call that you got robbed. I and mean, that's one of the worst calls I think I've ever yeah. seen in that situation. And then Philly would erupt. I was I haven't checked anything. Did anything go any any fires I mean, set in the streets? No, no. Thankfully, not. Actually, the best thing that happened to the city last night is it was actually pouring rain. So I feel like that deterred <laughs> people saved from. Them gathering outside and i guess just breaking windows breaking cars but um i'm sure if they won the game people would have still found a way to get together outside because they just they really don't care um but yeah either way man it was it's tough because i feel like the eagles had such a great season um and even yesterday i thought they played well that first half they played great and you know to have it kind of slip away at the end the way it did it was it was it was frustrating to see as a fan I'm sure you've been asked this a million times. Have you, ever, have you ever taken to football? Like, do you like watching it? Do you care about it? Do you bet on it? Do you play fantasy football coming from Canada? No. So I, I, I still <laughs> don't know that much about – no. Yeah. I still don't know that much about the game, to be honest. I do – I like watching it more, but the only two teams that I really like watching – are Michigan football and then like the Eagles because I'm here in Philly. Yeah. Um, and my wife's family, they have season tickets and they always, I mean, they're huge Eagles fans. So, um, you know, that's kind of by association led me to be a fan. But even, you know, I'm definitely not the guy to go about the, you know, the nitty gritty, the, the, the analytics of what's going on the field and this and that. I, got, I know nothing, but I, I do enjoy watching once in a while. Listen, here's an inside secret to – People uh, to NFL fandom and football fandom in general is no one knows what they're talking about. Literally, yeah. I think it's like the hardest game to understand for people, like because defensive coverages and what you're supposed to do, like basketball, you you can get a more of a sense of it if you even if you've never played. Kind of mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, that guy definitely messed up. In football, you have no idea. All you hear about is just all these people with all their opinions. It's it's nauseating. So you're kind of lucky to have right. not have really grown up with that. Because I'm at this point, mm-hmm. I just I can't. If there's a football conversation, I'm like, we're either talking gambling or fantasy football. Like, get out of here with any analyzing of a game because I know you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, so you're yeah. lucky. Yeah, no, I think it's I think it's great though. What I mean, I personally don't bet on sports, but I do like the concept of how yeah. you know when you open up the betting, it really it engages the fan a lot more. Oh, uh, yeah. Like I like just seeing the videos on Instagram 
of people when they miss or hit the parlay with like something crazy happening and just seeing their reaction like those are uh those are pretty funny so yeah it was uh we played at mass square garden and it was the first time i ever experienced drunk fans playing in front of drunk fans and i think like if you did that multiply that or magnetize um magnetize that with like betting and people yelling at you about bets on the sideline i don't know i think yeah. i think it would been a fun time to play but uh yeah we're uh that football game was crazy i can't believe philly didn't burn down after that but even more of a rough week for us here philly fans and uh michigan basketball fans you know it was a great win against nebraska but the iu game we're going to talk a lot about the iu game we'll look forward to some of their games in the future but we're going to talk a lot of iu today um just a real tough loss but let's get into the x's and o's so it's a big game against IU Saturday at home, 62-61 loss. You know, we we're I'm sure you and me both were on pins and needles, just wanting the win to get over the hump. But I just feel bad for these kids. They well, yeah, I mean, I feel bad for them because they were on the three-game win streak. We were back to glass half full. We were feeling really good about things. We were encouraged because they were yeah. passing the eye test. Like we were seeing evidence of improvements in so many different areas. And even with this game, they led 34 of the 40 minutes. And they did, up until that last five minutes, they did all the right things, it felt like, to win that game. And then, you know, to go scoreless in those last five minutes and just have all those empty possessions, it's, you know, it's a killer. You know, when you're going up against a talented team like IU, it's just, it's going to be tough to win games like that. So, I do I do feel bad for them because it's that was the one that was the one they needed. They they needed that one. And now it's almost like you need to win every game moving forward. Otherwise you have no shot. Yeah. No, it's uh they they just they felt like the better team all game. I mean mm-hmm. you you break it down, it's Hood Shafino and Trace Jackson Davis and some guys that defend versus mm-hmm. the other team. And I, I think they, I think they, they messed up quite a few times. Garden Trace, whether it was on a roll or a one-on-one, but I, and honestly, with the ball screen defense. So I want to get into that. I'm going to start out with that, because we'll get into some good stuff later. But why I think they lost the game? I mean, they let Hushafino go off, and they they were mm-hmm. slacking off. They were playing that. Um, uh, help me out here the ball screen defense they're you're backing up just drop like they're in a drop yeah drop jeez i can never remember that i'm an idiot i don't know why because i because i hate to play i never wanted to play it drop they're playing <laughs> drop coverage on jalen huchifino i think because they're worried about the role with trace jackson davis mm-hmm. which understandable but they right. was getting jalen going early he was confident with his mid-range jumper because he was wide open uh i did not agree with that at all because this team i mean let's look at the stats Go to the box score. Jalen had – Trey Jackson Davis had 28 points on 23 shots. Puchifino had 21 points on 15 shots. Mm-hmm. Tamari Bates came off the bench and shot five in 17 minutes. None of the other starters shot more than four shots. No. I, I, I mean, I understand – I just – I don't understand. I don't fully understand that game plan where it's like, okay, you don't want Trey Jackson Davis to get it a lot. So you don't want him to roll, but like somebody else help. I don't know. You got to force the ball out. Like if you're going to, you have to at least hedge a little bit on these ball screens 
and then have someone help the helper, have someone help Hunter be in. And they did it. Oh, they lost Trace a few times on that. But it's like, who else? You got to make other guys beat you. Uh, and I know Huchifino has been up and down, you know, with his jumper. But when you see it going early on, I, I just think the adjustments weren't quite there. But they only scored 62 points. It wasn't like IU went, ran away with it defensively. Right. But it was just like little things here and there, I feel like, could have been just a little better. Yeah. Right. No, I, I agree. Like the 62 points, it's – I feel like that's very average for a college game. So I, it didn't really stand out to me that Michigan's defense was – terrible in any aspect i agree they could have probably made some adjustments in that ball screen defense yeah. but i think i saw here in just in two-point shooting i think michigan was 53 percent on twos and iu was 45 percent. so i feel like michigan won that battle yeah um the thing that bothered me like it was a couple of times with jackson davis and this is i mean he surprised me because i haven't really watched him too too much but he surprised me. That little spin out he had a number of different times when he would almost be like faking to run up for a ball screen and then kind of spin out and then throw a lob to him. That's they 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 got Michigan with that a couple of times for easy buckets. And I'm just yeah. that those are the ones for me where I'm watching. I'm like, damn, like you just you know what that is? Say, that's Woodson. That's that NBA coaching right there. That's that, that's, that's that, that NBA Woodson. coaching. Yep. And and again. When you have someone athletic like that who you could just throw it to the backboard and they'll go get it, it's a perfect play because, you know, it catches the defense off guard. Um, That, for me, defensively was one of the only things that bothered me. But other than that, I felt like Michigan's defense was overall pretty solid. Um, It was more so just the last five minutes of the game, the scoring. I feel like they had – it was seven or eight empty possessions on a variety of different actions. Like I wrote a bunch of them down here and you know, they went to a, they went to a jet Howard pin down. They had a couple of hundred post-ups, um, a turnover by Terrence. Uh, I think, Co- you know, Doug had one getting, you know, drive getting blocked to, uh, at the rim. Yeah. Um, so again, I feel like they ran some decent actions, but this is just one of those cases where your best players in the last five minutes of the game, your best players need to be the ones that are going to carry you, meaning Hunter and Jet probably need to be the guys to step up and make those big plays. And they just they they weren't able they weren't able to do it. Um, and I can't pinpoint, you know, exactly what it is that went wrong. Um, but it's kind of been the story of their season, hasn't it? It's like they're yeah. great, they're doing well, but but like what happened? What what like, you know, how where did it slip away from us? This is the sixth or seventh game where we're kind of going through this same thing where it's like, damn, they were right there. They did all the right things all game long and then just let it slip away. So um, that's definitely, it's definitely frustrating as a fan, you know, and someone that's rooting for them, you know, to watch them go through this. Cause again, it was a missed opportunity, but this is a team that they don't have any more chances for missed opportunities. Like you used up all your chances for missed opportunities earlier in the year. Like these need to be the ones that you're going to close out. To reinforce my point from earlier, your, your point was a good one about field goal percentage, but I use guys who missed the shots were all guys not named Trace Jackson Davis and Huchifino. They were six, uh, 13, two for 13, mm. four for 15 for the rest of the guys from the field. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's 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 an easy thing to say. 
don't let Hoodshafino get the ball or shoot it. That's I mean, that's a dumb <laughs> comment, right? Like that's that's yeah. easier said than done. Um, but to your point, yeah, I think it was offensively. They didn't shoot well from three. Michigan was five for 20. Um, I don't think they found good looks from three. No. You know, they, they, there was a couple of times, you know, Doug shot stuff off the dribble, you know, like stuff that they wanted. And I can't believe I'm going to say this. Miller Cop played pretty good defense on Jet Howard. He played hard. Mm-hmm. And I think it was like just, it's like the difference between like setting a really good screen or just kind of getting in somebody's way. I think there was just a slight lack of execution at the end. That's what happens in a tight game, man. You, you get, you don't execute quite as early in those first 15 seconds of a play because you're like, okay, don't shoot it in the first 15 seconds. But Mm -hmm. there were some opportunities. Like there was like a semi break. I don't remember how much time was left. Four minutes left. Yeah. Four minutes left. And it was a semi-break, and Miller Cop was guarding Hunter down low. Mm-hmm. And Doug, they kind of slowly brought it up, but, like, Doug was there in the wing a little too far extended and couldn't get it down into Miller Cop. And Trace Jackson Davis was just kind of lollygagging up the court and finally got the switch that they wanted, and Terrence ended up missing right. a three on it. I mean, they finally got Hunter the ball in the post, but it's like, bam, like, you got to take advantage of these things. There was another possession right. where Huchifino missed a layup. It was a left-hand kind of running layup. Mm-hmm. And he fell out of bounds. And Joey had the ball at the rebound and just held it there for like three seconds. Yeah. Yeah, that's too long. A minute, a second and a half, two seconds. It was a long, it felt like a long time. Then he passes Doug, and Doug kind of went up. And Jalen was like, it was like five seconds before Jalen could get back in front of Doug or the ball handler, but like they didn't even try to attack on that. And that's like that end of game. Hey, let's bring it down. Let's play control basketball. And I don't, I don't blame them for it, right? That's that. Those are those nerves talking. But damn, dude, you got a five on four with the talent you do. Like, go get a good basket. Go get a foul somewhere. Put pressure on the defense. And I think they were kind of playing not to make mistakes more than like attacking IU on offense. Um, even though I thought Hunter did a pretty decent job trying to attack in the post. But I feel like you know it's that that tension. They haven't quite been there with a lead or like a really like a one possession game. So it's a little different experience. Yeah, again, that's that's one of those times where, you know, especially when you have those advantages in transition, you want to trust your athleticism, your talent, yeah. the skill, the IQ that you have on that team to, you know, make plays while you have some kind of, kind of an advantage. Because, look, the reality is college basketball, NBA, it's, it's hard to score in the half court. It's hard to score in the half yeah. court when the game is slow and the defense is loaded up and everyone has an opportunity to kind of sniff out what you're doing. But that's what makes the best teams good is they're able to capitalize when there is those situations when someone falls on a layup and, you know, there's a semi-transition opportunity where you have a one-man advantage. Now you use your ball movement and, and, and IQ to get the look you want and not necessarily slow it down. Um, and again, in, in comparison, it was tough because the game before against Nebraska, I feel like they shot the ball great. And they really, the offense flowed. They trusted their ball movement. Everyone was scoring. Everyone was touching the ball. Um, so you would have liked to see a little more carryover to this IU game because obviously Nebraska is, you know, not at the top of the Big Ten. Um, you know, not as not as good a competition as IU is. So you would like to see some carryover against a, a tougher opponent. But again, that's that that highlights. Michigan's struggle this year is anytime they've played those upper echelon teams, 
they haven't had that same carryover or they haven't been able to do it for 40 minutes, yeah. um, which is, which has been their issue from my eyes. Dude, you, I mean, you were, you learned a big lesson that yourself, you were a poster child for that. Like you were aggressive at the end of games. Like you were at the beginning. I'll never forget right. the, the Wisconsin, the shot you hit against Wisconsin at Wisconsin. You did a pullback from between the legs behind the, from behind for a three and like most kids would have shit themselves to try and make that move in general. And you're like, nah, that's me. Like I'm going to stay aggressive like the whole game. And it wasn't like the biggest shot of the game at the end. That's a huge lesson, right? Like, especially for guys like Doug and Kobe. Um, I'm going to get to the final player in a second. Cause it has to do with Kobe, but you got to put pressure on teams. As soon as you, I mean, dude, I loved playing in the big 10. It was so easy in the last two minutes because you knew exactly what was going to happen. Everyone was going to play slow and you were at least going to be in front of everyone. You were going to have to hit a shot over somebody because right. that was the MO. It was like, all right, we're going to slow it down. I don't. I think it's dumb. Like, just go be aggressive and play your game. Go get baskets. Don't turn the ball over, sure. But, like, I don't know. There shouldn't be – I know sphincters get tight at the end, but I think it's a good lesson for a guy like Doug, a guy like Kobe, and even, like, Jet. I think Jet, there was one play I want to get to that he wasn't aggressive on. He shot that fadeaway that he didn't even hit rim on. But the final play, I tweeted out. I was like, Kobe Bufkin jumper for the win, like mid-range jumper. Count it. And they, you could see their execution. This was a – I know people are going to be complaining, like how many times can we give these guys opportunities to learn lessons? But this is like the first time they've had a real possession like this at the end to win in a big game. And they executed way too quickly. Like Kobe was 30 feet from the basket, 25-plus feet from the basket – Hunter did not set a great screen because it was a little rushed. And then the role replaced. Jet was like, it just, it wasn't clean even after timeout because of jitters and they haven't been there yet. But, you know, Hunter could have set a better screen, but Kobe, I thought I was like, okay, he, he brought the ball down. He went down kind of left lane line from the top of the key. And I thought for sure he's spinning back to the middle and he's going to shoot a little fadeaway like he does with his left hand. Right. And just kind of put, you know, that guy and shoot a fadeaway. Like that's cash. He didn't. He didn't even look at the basket. He got into the paint and he just kind of dribbled to the left block and then turned and his back was to the basket and he was looking out to pass. And I was like, that's not Kobe. Like that Kobe in the first half who had, what, he had 12, 14 in the first half? 14 in the first half. Yeah, like that's not Kobe. Like that's not Kobe's skill level. That's not his talent. He'll learn that lesson like, all right, just go take that shot, dude. I know it was for maybe drawn up for Jet to roll replace, but doesn't matter. go take it. Go be aggressive. Yeah, it doesn't. That's that you have to be a basketball player at the end of the day. And if you're open, all plays are the only reason you have sets or plays is to, you know, create some sort of, of an advantage so someone can get an open look. But if you have an open look before the designated guy is supposed to come off of a screen or, you know, catch a shoot, whatever it is, you need to, you need to have some sense of, you know, I'm a basketball player. And I'm going to shoot when I have my opportunities. And even so, there was another play in the last five minutes where I think Hunter kicked out to Kobe and he was open for a three and he passed it up and yeah. then ended up like over dribbling and then took like a tougher shot. Yep. And I'm just like, dude, you had 14 in the first half and he was two for two from three. Like you need to, there needs to be that carryover of just confidence and you know, just, yeah, just that belief in yourself to be like, it doesn't matter the time of game, who we're playing against. When I'm open, I'm going to shoot it. And, you know, it's funny, it's funny you brought up that Wisconsin game because 
uh, for me when I hit that setback because that was one of the moments for me. The previous play before that, Coach Beeline ran a play for me and I was like in the middle of shooting a shot and I like last second for whatever reason got scared and instead of shooting it, I passed it and almost turned it over. We somehow saved the ball and when we saved the ball, we called timeout. Coach Beeline called timeout again immediately and when we came back to the huddle, Coach Beeline was like, let me know if you don't, you know, if you're scared of the moment, like if you don't want the ball, let me know. I'll run the play for someone else. Yeah. And then I was like, that was the one I needed where I was like, okay, okay, give me the ball again. I got, I got it now. I got it now. So when I came back out there the next time, I was like, I don't care what defense is thrown at me. I don't care what I have to do. I'm shooting it because I know he wants me to shoot it. And it gave me that sense of calmness and just, you know, confidence in myself where I'm like, all right, it's going up. And it ended up working out in that moment. Um, but I feel like a lot of these guys on this team are still waiting for that moment for themselves yeah. to, you know, get to that level where they really believe in themselves and their confidence doesn't waver because yeah, it's frustrating to see guys as talented as Kobe pass up those opportunities where they are more than will, they're more than able to make those big plays. They just need to believe in themselves. It's, um, it, it, it'll be, a pivotal moment for Kobe going forward big time because, and especially in the, in the, with the fact that I hope the coaches pull him aside and point it out, or at least he has enough self-belief to look at that play again and say, I should have been more aggressive here. I should, I had the opportunity to come back and shoot it, but I know you have jet Howard who's probably a lottery pick and you got Hunter Dickinson, all American and you're the other guy. Like the other guy, right? Like it's easy to be like, well, I'm the third guy. Like the other guy should no, dude. You're a you're a talented as hell. Like, go be you. You were the best player in the game in the first half. Like you make the game look easy. Like, don't stunt yourself for others. And Jet wasn't even having like a good shooting game. No. And so, like, I understand the mentality, like when you're drawing up a play, you want to execute it, and you want to execute it so bad that you under-execute the entire thing. And to your point, every play that you make, it's predicated on faking somebody out, like, because that's a, uh, that's a viable option, right? You're like, I'm going to go left because that's a viable option. I'm going to fake and go back. Right. Like if they don't believe that you're going to go left, you'll never get back. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and, 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 it, and I think it's a, this is a good lesson for Kobe. Like that has to be maintained throughout the entire game. And I, I think second half, I was hoping that he would have done more, like taking the ball more. There's nobody else that gets in the paint better than him. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, off of tough situations, off of like not just like drop coverage. That's not how he's getting the paint. He's getting out the paint off drives, one on one plays. And I think that he's due more responsibility inside his own head. Like mm-hmm. he is just as responsible for this team as Hunter and Jet. And I don't know if he quite believes that yet. Um, or if he does, and if it was just like, hey, we were right trying to run this play for Jet, but he'll get there. Uh, but he, I mean, damn, dude, that first half, he was, he, he's been like the last like four games, he's been averaging like what, 12, 14 points in the first half and mm-hmm. three, three assists, four rebounds, something crazy. Like he's just yeah. going off, and that confidence will help him carry it through for the rest of the game, but he'll figure that out. Yeah. It's again, it's just frustrating because it was, it was one of the times where they really needed him. You know, yeah, they really they really needed him to come through. And like you said, on a night where Jet wasn't necessarily shooting great. And I mean, Hunter had a decent game, but it, again, not his like best 
his best performance. Um, in those scenarios, they do need the rest of the team to step up. And obviously, Kobe's been that kind of solid third option all year where he's been able to come in and, and make a difference. Um, but also, I, I you know, one of the things that stood out to me in this game was it was the first game in a while that Joey, you know, wasn't really able to, to get himself going. Yeah. Um, and over that three-game win streak previously, I feel like that has been one of the catalysts is coming off the bench. He's been playing with so much confidence and being aggressive out there. And you you can see and feel a difference in the team when he's playing like that. And that's another one I think they missed. Um, you know, they, they missed that against IU is just having a little extra spark off the bench uh, with his shooting. So. Um, I think he he was one for one uh, from two, but zero for two on threes. So yeah, again, but he's it's one of those things where you know Joey is going to play better when other guys are getting him open looks and creating off the bounce. And I think Michigan had eight assists and eleven turnovers. So that kind of stands out to me is that's not going to be a game where Joey's thriving because the ball's probably not moving as as well as it needs to be. Whereas the Nebraska game, I felt like the, the ball movement was great. The scoring was balanced all around. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that kind of stood out to me, just the, the contrast of, of, you know, of, of play in those two games. Yeah. I thought, I'll give you credit. I thought they played good defense. They played tough. Yeah. They're in, yeah. they're in the lanes, um, putting pressure and help side and on the ball. Uh, the assist numbers kind of tell me that you're either not posting up Hunter enough or you're not taking advantage of it when you're getting post-ups and getting the rotations. I don't think they move. They didn't move very much No, when Hunter was posting up. I think they were pretty stagnant. I think there's a couple times Hunter should have just buried Trace. Trace is a great shot blocker, but it's all help side. Mm-hmm. And I, he's not blocking Hunter's shot. Just It's not happening in the post, one-on-one. It wasn't going to happen, and I thought – Hunter could have maybe taken his time even more and really buried Trace. Instead, he kind of would stop his dribble at about seven, eight feet, fully capable shot for him to hit. But then it gave more space for like Renew to help down from the top of the key. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't I just didn't think they took advantage of Hunter's post-ups enough and really attacked Trace. I was really hoping for that matchup. Like, you got to put pressure on their best player. Put the pressure on them defensively. That's what teams do to Hunter, right? They put him in ball screen right. after ball screen. And that was a key. I don't. I haven't seen IU run this many ball screens. I mean, I, well, let's put it this way. I watched the game against Michigan State. They, they don't. They just didn't run that many ball screens. And I think Kuchifino was a little hurt that game. But they ran a lot. They tried to put pressure on Hunter, and it worked. And I think you got to flip the script on Trace Jackson Davis the same way. And there's no better player. I mean, besides, like, Zach Eady but they doubled Edie the entire time when they played Purdue. Mm-hmm. They weren't really doubling that hard against Michigan too much. So I thought it was a perfect recipe to really attack TJD. And I don't know. It was, it's hard to say exactly where everything was. I mean, Jet was five or 14 and Doug was one for eight. And I couldn't even tell you like where it was really bad. I mean, if I could watch the game over again, I could probably point everything out, but maybe a couple Doug shots that weren't like awesome mm-hmm. from three. But I mean, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a glaring, glaring thing offensively. I think like it was in the past. So 
you know, like four or five weeks ago. So it's hard to, it's hard to really say without going through the fine tooth comb and like marking down every little thing. Yeah. Again, I think that's why it comes down to those last five minutes. Other than that, I feel like they played an overall solid game against a good team offensively and defensively. It wasn't their best, you know, on either end of the floor, but it was good enough that game to beat a good team. But it was just closing it out where, you know, the offense struggled. I mean, you don't score the last five minutes of the game. It's in a close game. It's probably you're probably going to lose. Yeah. So and again, you would have loved to see you would love to see a little bit better execution on on the very last play when you need a bucket more than ever. Uh, But again, it's it's a it's a it's an opportunity to grow for this team. You know, I don't know if it's you're going to grow for this year or for next year or it's a tricky situation they're in right now because you definitely have – it's almost like you have to win every game to um, to kind of close this out. But yeah, this, one, this one hurts. This one hurts a little bit. Yeah. Amir pointed out this is a f- fifth game this year, uh, losing by four or less. And this was like the one game that I thought they had it. Like they were actually mm-hmm. in control and in contention. The other games weren't quite this close. Um, but I do want to make a point, and I, th- I thought this was huge. We do talk about the last five minutes, but Hunter with two fouls in the first half was pretty ugly. I think it was tough for him to play with two fouls. They tried once again to employ the tactic, okay, Hunter's got two fouls, he's guarding the post, let's trap from the baseline, and they like messed it up twice. One time Jet overhelped at like 18 feet, and Miller Cop got it through on the other side. The other time – Jet didn't go over at all, and Hunter assumed a double team, and Trace got a wide-open dunk. So adjusting to that, I think, was really tough. I mean, that was a stretch there at the end of the second half where Indiana kind of found some footing offensively. Um, I think that was a stretch. I think Amir said that Shafino and TJD scored 19 straight for IU. I feel like that was like the stretch that they did. Well, I guess besides that Miller cop shot, but – the whole game was those guys scoring in stretches. So it was, that was a tough thing. Again, when this team gets in foul trouble, it's, it's tough to play like that. And I don't, I don't blame Juwan for playing Hunter at all with two fouls. I think you, I, I would have done the exact same thing. Yeah. I maybe would have played like a little different defensively. I think Hunter can still play strong, you know, and stay and straight up against Trace Jackson Davis one-on-one. But I think that was a big, I think that the end of that second half was, was was huge. I feel like Michigan could have been up like 15 in that first half. They were just rolling that hard, and then it brought it back. I think it was like within three or something. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's 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 definitely a skill as a player to be able to play the right way, still play somewhat aggressively while you're in foul trouble because it's 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 such a fine line of you don't want to completely change the way you, you know, with your physicality, the way you're moving your body, the way you're using your body, you don't yeah. want to change it drastically and give the offense a advantage. But at the same time, you don't want it. I mean, you have to be careful. Um, and and every coach is different with the way they do it. Like Coach Beeline was, you have two fouls in the first half. I don't care what the situation is. You're coming yeah. out. Like national championship game against Louisville, Trey had two fouls early in the game. And well, thank God, because the legend of Spike was born that day. It never would have happened. It would have never happened. But he really sat Trey Burke, National Player of the Year, the entire wow. first half because he had two fouls. Like he 
just stuck to his guns. So, um, oh, he would have been roasted for it if, if Spike didn't do what he did. I, yeah, exactly. I know. Well, I feel like I feel like had Spike not gone off the way he did, Coach Beeline would have maybe thrown Trey back into the game at the yeah. end of the first half, maybe like the last yeah. five minutes. But because Spike had it going, it was almost an easy decision for Coach B. He was kind of like, all right, we're just going to keep rolling with Spike since he's got 17 and just cooking yeah. everyone. But – yeah, it's that's it's definitely it's a skill to be able to, and you have to have the coach's trust. Like the tr- the coach has to trust that specific player to go out there and be able to play while being in foul trouble. We need like an iPad this weekend when we're in Ann Arbor with everybody, and it just has spike highlights from the game, and like randomly we just like put it above his head when we're out. I feel like that would be like a good move going. I feel like I people, people really appreciate it. I love that. All right, let's uh, let's get into Michigan's future looks, future opponents. Uh, let's get into the scouting report. So the game everyone wants to talk about, the game you and me are going to, first game I've ever been to at Chrysler Center. Still don't like saying that. I'd rather say Chrysler Arena. That's he- neither here nor there. But Michigan State at Michigan on Saturday. It should be loud. It should be a lot of fun. Another opportunity to win- get a quad one win. I think they got a real shot here to, like, control the game again. I don't think Michigan State looks super great. I think they they knew they threw the game away uh, at Michigan State. They just didn't play up to their potential. I'm really feeling good. <laughs> I'm going to keep feeling good to the season's over, but I'm really feeling good about this. Everyone's in the house. We're honoring the 2013 championship team. Uh, excuse me, runner-up. Sorry, Nick. Um, but it's. I think it'll be a, a Michigan win, just like gut feeling before we talk about anything specific. No, I, I agree, and I think they they played well at Michigan. They played okay at Michigan State. Yeah. Um, it was a close game, and Michigan didn't shoot it great. And I, it, could, it could be hard to play at Breslin. I get that. And sometimes making shots in those kinds of environments are tough. Yeah. Uh, but this is one of those games you got the home crowd. It, it'll be loud in there. Um, a lot of alumni like ourselves will be there supporting the team. So – um, I'm definitely I'm definitely positive and hopeful for them to to come out and play well and represent. And it's just one of those things where when you're playing Michigan State, it's it's more than just the X's and O's and locking into a game plan. It's it is it's more of a pride thing and an atmosphere and adrenaline, you know, kind of situation. At least for me in those games, yeah. I. So, I mean, my most memorable games in college were against Michigan State, especially the home games where, you know, the entire place is bouncing on their feet and, you know, going crazy. And you just feel that you feel that energy and you play off of it. And so I hope I hope that that's what these guys do on uh, on Saturday. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be my first time there in like eight years or something like that. So it'll be it'll be a lot of fun. It'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, I think matchup wise. I think they match up really well. Again, it'll be interesting to see how um, Hogarden and Walker play like on ball screens. I, I, they have not been super impressive this year. Just using the ball screen, scoring. I mean, this is. I mean, AJ Hogar- Hogarden. That's a beer. Hogarden. Yeah, six points, eight points, eight points. That's three of the last four. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's getting assists. It's going to be interesting how they play ball screen defense on 
their guards against him. It's a similar situation. I foresee Michigan State attacking Hunter in the pick and roll um, and then trying to just pull him out, maybe get some fouls on him. But I think Hunter has just a massive advantage down low against Soko, just on both sides of the ball. Like they don't, they're not, nobody's going to really make him work inside. It's just going to be on that pick and roll defense. I don't think Sissoko is like a fantastic roller. So it sets up well for whatever, you know, Michigan's disadvantages are on defense. I think it's kind of a good team to play against, you know, as long as they can make the guards from Michigan State shoot. They're not making all their jumpers like uh, Hood Shafino was. But there's a couple of keys here and there. I just think that Michigan, it's so funny watching all these games. And even with like Purdue, you're like, yeah, across the board, I think talent-wise, it's I, – I would put their talent up against anybody else in the Big Ten. For sure. I know Edie trumps a lot of things, but top to bottom, one through five in the starting group, there's really not many uh, – too many more talented teams in Michigan. I truly believe that. Am I crazy? No, not at all. We uh, Two weeks ago, I think I said it individually – they have all the right pieces. It just hasn't always fit together. Um, yeah. And that's that's been the frustrating part about it is they they really do have good, talented individual pieces. I mean, look, like look at Jet. Like Jet's the highest projected pick out of anyone in the Big Ten, you know, and, and for this year's yeah. draft. And um, coming into this year, we didn't even know we didn't even know if he was going to be one of Michigan's best players. We knew he had potential, but we didn't we didn't know. So. We, they've even had surprises like that where they coming into season, they weren't even expecting Jet to play the way he is. And it, that was almost just a bonus. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 I agree with you. I think this team has everything they need to be successful. It just hasn't always worked out for them. Point I do want to make that I saw against – I saw in the last couple of games, actually, and I'll give them credit for seeing guys like Doug. We talked about their ball screen defense all year guys like Doug and Kobe really making the effort to get into the ball, pressure ball handlers. And you, I've noticed a difference in that, which definitely means, you know, Juwan and that staff are showing them the clips. They're going over those things with them in practice, which is definitely what they, you know, we've been saying the last month, what they needed to be doing. And guys have been taking note and improving, which is why we have been positive. We've been seeing these little improvements. So, would love to see that continue to close out this year because that's going to be a huge part of their success defensively is just having those guys get into the ball and make the ball handlers a little uncomfortable just so they're not coming off of ball screens yeah. with no pressure and able to make plays um, freely. Uh, so that was that. Yeah, that's something that I've liked as of as of late that I would love to see them continue. And then X factor for the Michigan State game. I'm. I just love when Joey Baker's playing aggressively and playing well. And in those kind of environments, there's nothing that breaks a back more than just a transition corner three or like, you know, teams on a 6-0 run, backs yep. against the ropes, and then bam, someone bangs a three and the crowd erupts. Those are, in these kind of games, those are the plays that make a huge difference. And other than the IU game, Joey has been – he has been on quite a roll in terms of his three-point shooting. So uh, that's my X factor for the Michigan State game. I think on the flip side of that, I think he matches up really well with Joey Hauser. Mm -hmm. And I think he can run Joey Hauser ragged by making him chase him everywhere. Mm 
I mean, Hunter just saying screen after screen on Joey Hauser. I don't, I mean, Joey's not like a rock out there, but he's not the most athletically gifted person on the mm-hmm. court. I think you got to make him work. He had 22 against Ohio State. Like, he can be a huge difference maker. This dude is what well, he's very confident. He, he makes like the game look easy when his offense is on. It's really mm-hmm. impressive to watch, honestly. He's just like, he kind of looks like he's going in slow motion, but like nothing bothers him. So I think if you can, again, just like with TJD, like attack their best guys offensively, and especially at the weak point, like you, we got to you got to start utilizing Joey, and they they were before, but I think he is just another great kind of a offensive relief, right, for Jet and Kobe mm-hmm. and Doug to not have to shoulder all the perimeter duties offensively. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that's a good X factor there. Mine is going to be. Kobe, once again, I mean, I think the Doug matchup with Walker is big, and I foresee Doug playing better this time around, um, and especially compared to the game against IU. I think he's going to come out and play solid, and I want him to stay aggressive using the ball screens. Um, I think IU plays a little better defense than Michigan State in terms of like clogging a paint for somebody like that, but it's going to be him and, and Kobe – taking advantage of it. And I think Kobe's matchup, my other key factor for that IU game was Kobe versus Huchifino. And Kobe won it for the first 20 minutes. And then, mm-hmm. you know, Jalen Huchifino won it for like the entire game. He just had a really good game. Mm-hmm. And I think there's going to be another one for him. Him and Hogard matched up against each other. I don't know if Kobe will be on Walker, maybe a little bit here and there. I bet they would switch some more, but Hogard's a bigger guard. I think, I think he really needs to win that matchup. And take it to Hogard def- uh, offensively, like make Hogard play defense. Same thing. I don't think Hogard's a great defender. I think Kobe needs to stay aggressive the entire game. So those, that's, those are uh, another one of my X factors. I think Kobe and jo- uh, Joey will be really important. They're really important every game, but I, I really want to see them win their matchups there. Um, but overall, I think, you know, at home, Michigan State, they're, they're kind of hungry to beat this team after what happened at Michigan State. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to come out pretty aggressive. I think there's still a light at the end of the tunnel there. I, I don't, they haven't given up on anything. And I think they're, you know, you, you've been in it, right? You're like, I don't care where you're at, what your record is. Go beat the hell out of Ohio State or Ohio State, Michigan State. For me, it was always Michigan State more than Ohio State. It was always a bigger ride. Yeah. It was always go beat the hell out of Michigan State. I don't care. You know, even our sophomore year, we were, didn't make the tournament. We were doo doo had a losing record, and we still almost beat Michigan State at home. We should have beat them. Go look it up. PD got fouled. I threw him an oop. His jersey got grabbed. They even highlighted on ESPN. It should have been two free throws. PD would have hit both of them uh, to go up one. It was ridiculous. But, it, like, if we would have won that game, I would have been happy that year. I'd have been like, yeah, all right, we still did something. So I'm curious. I want to ask you about that. Like, one of your biggest Michigan State games, was it the kissing of the crowd? But also mm-hmm. – when did you like get comfortable in the rivalry? Like, all right, this is my time. And like, now I can balance hooping and having that between and that laser focus. Right. Cause you always get in these big games and you're like, focus on the game plan. You kind of forget your mm-hmm. talent and you kind of constrain yourself a little bit. Was that, was that Michigan at Michigan state game where you blew kisses of the crowd? Was that the moment like that things changed for you in that rivalry? Yeah, that was right around the time because that, uh, the game before that we played against Wisconsin where I hit that step back, I think. And yeah. it was just, oh. 
Yeah. It, that, that was just right around the time where I started just getting very comfortable. Again, like Coach Beeline and I had had these conversations and he was really wanting me to take that step forward and be the guy to make plays down the stretch. And um, I think after that Wisconsin game, it really started to click for me. And I was always, you know, a little bit cocky and, you know, playing into the crowd a little bit. But once I kind of got over that next hump where I was never second guessing, always just looking to be aggressive, the I, the game became really um, not easy, but the game just became, you know, a lot more fun and relaxed yeah. for me where I could just be myself and not second guess whether I need to shoot this or pass this. I'm just going to go play and do whatever I feel and trust that my work and all my knowledge of the game is going to come through at the end. And so, yeah, that, that, that game against Michigan state though was a big one because Saturday night at, you know, at Breslin place, place was rocking. Like it's a, it's a tough environment and vice versa. Like I'm sure for state when they come to Chrysler and that place is rocking they're like, damn, that's a, that's a tough place to win a game because it is, it is. So, um, but yeah, if you're, if you're Michigan moving forward, you got to take advantage of, of, of having that home court, uh, in these rivalry games and, you can't you can't you can't get swept by your rival in, in one year. That's it's like a rule. Yeah. I don't know if it's it's an unwritten rule. You just can't get swept by one team, especially when it's your rival. So I'm hoping for good things from them um, on Saturday. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun, man. Hopefully we have a couple of drinks before the game. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully can we're we drink at the games now? I I don't know. I have no idea. We gotta if, look. If this we're up. not, if we're not allowed to drink at the game, if they don't serve alcohol at the game, then we will definitely be arranging a pregame situation oh. somewhere in on the campus of uh, of Ann Arbor. Oh, without a doubt. Or I'm, I got, I got a big jacket, and fireball shooters can easily fit in all of them <laughs> in my pockets. So like, it's not really going to be a problem for me. Oh boy. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. You don't lose twice to your rival. I'm trying to look up point guard. That nah, doesn't matter. But yeah, we uh I'll never forget we won. I think it was three games in a row against Michigan State at one point. And it was like, oh, that was when like I knew that the rivalry that we had arrived in the rivalry again. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how long it had been. They were just dominating. I mean, they had that dominant run in the 2000s, right? The three final fours in four years or whatever it was. Just insane stuff, but um yeah, you want to keep that you want to keep that competitive and it's a big thing for recruiting. And before we get out of here, I got a big point on that. So let's go ahead and get into Word on Campus. So we're on campus this week. Uh, Hunter went on the podcast. Was it Wolverine Chronicle or in- Wolverine Insider? It was Sam Webb's and Tim McCormick's um, podcast. And they asked him about the NIL. And Tim asked him, like, you know, it's probably the reason you're here right now. You came back for your junior year. It's played a big part. How has it changed? Blah, 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 blah. And, you know, pretty typical answers. The one answer I found very interesting was how it's changed the transfer portal and recruiting. Coaches are kind of doing double duty now. It's like you got to keep you got to keep your guys happy. And also, like, it's changing all the time. So, like, the recruits that you are getting in high school, you know, there's new deals coming all the like all over. So, like, it, it makes sense to keep your recruitment over open longer than you ever have before. Cause you don't know what deals are going to start coming in. So it's kind of changed the game there. I'm curious with you first, I want to ask you your thoughts on that. Uh, uh, second, I want to ask you your thoughts on that. But first, did you ever have anybody 
you don't have to name names, but reach out to you about transferring or any colleges, one, after you committed to Michigan, and two, which is which is um, a no-no ethics-wise in basketball. It's different in football. And then two, when you're at Michigan, you know, after your freshman year, anybody kind of trying to nudge you to come to their school. So when I was at Michigan, I'd never – no one ever reached out to me about <clears throat> transferring – and I would never even consider. Like I was, yeah. I was so happy there. I will say though, even before all the NIL stuffs, because I committed to Michigan my junior year, I actually and you blew up. It, well, it's crazy. I actually asked. I can't believe I did this. I asked Coach Beeline. I like gave him my word. I was like, I'm coming to Michigan, but I was like, can we just keep that between me and you? And then I keep my like status open. Because at that point I was kind of unknown and it was like one of those things I was like, I, I want to get the like the Dukes and the North Carolinas and the Kentuckys. It's such a high school kid thing to say, yeah. Yeah, like I wanted though, I just wanted that love just so I could get a yeah. little bit of recognition because the Michigan scholarship didn't hold as much weight back then yet. It, I mean, obviously it's Michigan, it was great, but just at that time, you guys were just starting to turn yeah. that turn the program around. Shit, we so weren't it, good that year when you were it, But again, it, so it wasn't that sexy name like Michigan may be right now. And so I remember I asked Coach Beeline, I'm like, hey, do you, I, you have my word, I promise. I'm coming to Michigan, but let's just keep that between us. I'll keep my recruit, recruitment open. Maybe I'll get ranked higher, this and that. And he was like, Nick, I need your answer now. Like you're either signing this thing or you're or you're like, or get you're the not. hell out of here. Yeah. And I was like, all right, I, I'll sign. It. I'm coming to Michigan. So I was like, <laughs> I had to try. I had to try. Um, but yeah, I, and I mean that that was the extent of me ever like wavering from Michigan. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's. I mean, the the landscape is it's so different now with this with with the NILs and man, I really wish we could have. We, I mean, I'm not complaining. Like we, you know, we played professionally. We've made money playing basketball, but it would have been nice to have a couple extra dollars in our pocket when we were on campus because life changing money. Yeah, it's I, for a lot of these guys. It is, it is huge money. Money that they they may never even make for the rest of their lives doing anything else. Like yeah. it's these are large sums of money that players are making. Um, who may never even play professional basketball afterwards, which is, it's crazy, but um, you know, that's, that's the landscape now. And I, I don't disagree with it. I think it, it is fair and um, you know, players should be allowed to make some money and, you know, support themselves. I just, it, it definitely complicates things because now it, you know, money always talks in anything in life and uh, in any kind of business it, you know, it's, it's unavoidable. Money will always drive people to do certain things. And even more so now with, with this being an option, you start thinking the schools that are going to have the most success recruiting and getting transfers are the schools that can provide guys with the best opportunities to make money yeah. and not necessarily the best opportunity to, you know, for their career or you know, basket or fit for their basketball or personality or family or school it's not going to be that focus anymore. It's going to be what matches up with what's going to make me the most money. And um, I mean, it's, it's I mean, a good thing. It's a good and bad thing. I, I'm happy for everyone. They're making you money, but at the same time, I'm sitting here 
and I'm saying this and I'm like, is it a good thing? Listen, I don't know. Uh, it's listen. what do you like? What, what are your, what are your thoughts? Well, my thought is those are good points for sure. And it's going to change everything. But if I would have gone to school to further my basketball ambitions, which were professional basketball, I shouldn't have gone to Michigan. I should have gone somewhere smaller where I could have really worked on my offensive game, had more freedom, you know, shoot 15 times a game, wherever it was. Um, so I could definitely see, you know, myself being like, or a kid's being like, yeah, all right, give me that. You, you guys make 50K baseline? Like, yeah, I'll do that. And that kid should be going to Davidson instead and, and work on his game and, and work on his dreams and have a, a flourishing overseas career. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, those are get very specific. But, yeah, that, that does make a big difference. So it's going to be interesting to see the talent pool because there's so much turnover. And if you can start kind of attracting kids with these deals, you know, how it's going to change the talent pool but is it going to aggregate the town pool even more? Because, you know, a Wake Forest even is not super great, but they can offer a kid $20,000 baseline versus going to like Charlotte and building up that mid-major program. And like, you know, if he goes there, they make the tournament one year and there's a Cinderella story, blah, 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 you know, all this, whatever, all these like crazy scenarios, but like stuff like that, where like you're going to get more kids to go to bigger schools now with this money but then you're gonna they're gonna learn real quick ah, i should have gone to a smaller school i'm gonna leave and that's why the transfer portal is open i think if you can do it right i think michigan we're kind of a little tainted because we've had so many different point guards and then got really jaded by frankie collins leaving last year when that was really unexpected um i don't foresee that being quite the norm i, I just at least for the foreseeable future. We'll see what happens with like really big money. If like some big program can just blast it on air that like, we'll pay you a million dollars, but I, I don't know. We'll we'll see how that landscape changes. It's just, I think Juwan is fit for this kind of maneuverability in the market. No Um, doubt. I do. I would say this. I love coach beeline. Coach beeline would not be suited for for this kind of situation in terms of, you know, convincing players that it's the right move for them financially because he can provide NIL deals. I think Juwan is definitely better fitted for this landscape uh, in, in yeah. that sense. Yeah, definitely. It's just coaching those guys. And I think you'll probably – this is where it gets a little tricky. I, I would I would hope that they could open up maybe one or two more scholarship spots – Mm-hmm. I'm wondering about that, although that gets a little tricky for the mid-majors because you got all these guys you want to build up as freshmen, but I mean, how many, I mean, how useful would it be to have one more veteran guy on the wing spot, right? right. Like another veteran kind of like, uh, oh my God, his name is escaping me um, a couple of years ago, but just like these veteran pieces that could fit in. Obviously, Jalen got hurt. That's a huge part of this. You know, we're, right. we're kind of forgetting that in this conversation. But, um, yeah, Beeline, it's been funny picturing him in this. It would be hilarious. Oh, I mean, man. dude hated – he hated when we wore leggings. I, he, he didn't let us do it. Any arm sleeves. So, it's like, kids making money? Like, get out of here. I, I don't know. That would have been – that would have been wild. I, I, we got to ask him. We got to ask him this weekend. <laughs> like, hey, hey, you know how much a hunter makes? What do you think of that? Just see him shake his head. 
I, I played a round of golf. I played a round of golf with him this summer in, uh, in Ann Arbor and, uh, we didn't get too far into it cause it was me, Spike, Blake, uh, Blake McGlyman's and coach B. It was a foursome and he, um, he was, he, he touched on it a little bit and he was like, Oh man, I could never do this. It's just a mess with this NIL, but all these kids wanting money now, but, and, yeah. yeah, he he didn't go into depth, but you could tell he's just he's not a fan of it. And again, I don't blame him. He's old school in that sense where it would be hard for him to go f- from 30, 40 years of coaching a certain way and recruiting a certain way to then all of a sudden opening the floodgates. It's it would be a huge adjustment for him. So, um, again, I, I think Juwan's I think Juwan and the program are, are in a good position um, moving forward with this kind of just starting right now um so i'm i'm you know i'm again i'm i'm there's the pros and cons but i feel like michigan is big enough of a program and popular enough of a school where they will be able to provide good opportunities financially for for recruits um that are going to be enticing and hopefully allow them to land some some big time players moving forward yeah, Hunter touched on that in that segment that I watched that Michigan's coming around and figuring out that big um, deal. Was it sponsorship deal or I can't remember what it is. We'll talk about it. I'll have to look it up and talk about it next pod. But it opens up basically Michigan has now entrusted this agency to find deals with Michigan's likeness and then bring them back to Michigan's players because Michigan's very stingy with their trademark and their image mm-hmm. and use it, which, which I don't blame them for, but you know, Hunter Dickinson alone is great, but also Hunter Dickinson with an M on his Jersey in a commercial or something, it, it makes is even more money. So mm-hmm. Michigan has finally entrusted somebody to use their trademarks and their likeness and find some deals for people. So it's going to be interesting to see how it opens up. But I want to say before we end here, these kids were they care about basketball. They like they're worried about the season. They're not hanging their hats on NIL deals or transferring if they don't like something. Like these kids are bought in. I have no doubt in my mind. Um anything I've heard, like I just being in that position, even if it was at my fingertips, you're still wanting to win now and you care about the basketball now. So mm-hmm. You can say what you want about basketball, but I think inside the huddle, coaching these kids is the exact same. You don't have prima donnas out there. You know, it's, it's you know, you hear about Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant complaining all the time, but like that's not what that's not most people. It's not most players. It's just not mm-hmm. how this stuff works. And especially with teenage kids who are so impressionable, especially when you're looking up to the respectable Juwan Howard who's been through it. It's just not it's just not really the case. So I want to make sure people understand that. These kids are fine. They're, they're, they really care and they're working hard. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. And, and I think it's important too moving forward that with all the NIL stuff in place, it's still important for Juwan when he's recruiting kids. Like Coach Beeline put a lot of value in like kids coming from a good family, good head on their shoulders, you know, good focus, polite, good respectful. Those are all things that meant a lot to Coach Beeline. And while the NIL stuff is all good and I'm sure everyone's happy that there's these deals to be made, I think it's still important to place value on those things because at the end of the day, 
those are a huge part of your program success on the court. Yep. Um, and just the overall functionality of the team, like you don't want a bunch of jackasses, um, you know, on your team who are just going to, you know, cause you cause chaos and stress every day. So, it, you know, I, I think this, again, I don't know these guys personally, but from the outside looking in, it does seem like we have a good group of guys who are collectively on the same page and focused. Um, so I, I do think that's a good thing, but that was just, just another thought I had on the whole NIL deal about how, you know, there's still going to be important things outside of the deals and the money and, and whatnot. Yeah. No, no five-star recruit is better than a jackass five-star recruit. that's going to come in and wreck your team and kill team morale. Even if you average just 25, like that, it, it, this college basketball, you know, you don't need a Kevin Durant to win, win you championships. It's just not, it's not necessary. So it'll be interesting to see that landscape and how it changes and how Jawan maneuvers it. I'm interested to talk with you end of the year we'll recap some things about what who we should go after in the portal who's coming in we'll talk more about that later in episodes but we will be at the michigan state game in ann arbor like we said a million times now if you're there come up and say hi to us um show spike his highlights in the championship game hand us a fireball shooter in our coat pockets inside chrysler we'll be more than happy to accept it but we'll be back we'll have an inside look maybe go live Maybe do a live little bit segment. Can we, get, can we take over the uh, Beyond Big Ten Twitter? We'll talk to Amir and Kelsey at ET and see what happens. Um, but, yeah, we could could be on the lookout for that. It'll be exciting. Um, we'll report somewhere or another from there. But, Nick, you got any final words or anything before we get out of here? Man, I'm, I am looking forward to hanging out again this weekend. I know. It's been, a, it's been a while since we've actually hung out in person, so I'm excited for that. Uh, excited to just be back on campus with with all the guys we I mean I feel like everyone has a pretty special bond and um, it'll be it'll be somewhat nostalgic just kind of being back there with everyone and um, hopefully we get to you know meet up with some fans and interact and stuff so I'm looking forward to it Um, I appreciate everyone always uh, supporting us and tuning in as always I love you guys and um, that's all I got Yep. As always, find us at uh, Beyond the Big Ten on Twitter and Instagram. Beyond the Big Ten. Ten is one zero. Find us on Instagram and Twitter and YouTube as well. Drop your questions. Uh, anything you want to hear us talk about, be more than happy to bring it up on the pod. Really loved it when we had questions for Spike. I thought that went really well. Uh, we'll try and make it more a part of that uh, going forward with everything. But appreciate everybody listening. Until next time, see ya. Beyond the Big Ten is a network of podcasts that aims to be your go-to resource for all things Big Ten. We cover the entire conference with shows hosted by ex-players and athletic alumni, aiming to be your go-to source of information and entertainment for your favorite team. Hosted by ex-Big Ten players, media, and insiders, our podcasts are focused on giving diehard fans and those alums an inside scoop about the teams and people that make the Big Ten Conference one of the most watched and most talked about conferences in sports. We're excited to talk Big Ten basketball with you wherever you may be. Subscribe now.